0: It's time for Running Building, the game, the, building game, the game, with Jason and friends, for the the tabletop game design, the, game the with fun and friends. it's at the end of the episode, that's
1: when it technically ends. Hello
0: and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, June 21st, and you're listening to episode 473. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today joined by a whole, whole lot of people, uh, three award-winning game designers. Uh, we have Carol Mertz, Francesca, Carletto, Leon, and Kai Carhu. How are y'all doing?
2: Doing good. Thanks so much for having us. How's yeah, it it's it's good to here. be back? I gotta say. Yes.
0: Yes, Carol. Uh, been on the show many, many moons ago, as it was. Many Almost a, over 100 episodes. So, yeah. Yep. Yes.
2: A goodly while. <laughs>
0: yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and it's great to meet you, Kai, and Francesca. Uh, yeah. So... What have you all? Uh, what have you all been up to lately? In uh, in in the times, things are changing. Things are. Uh, we're all in different locations. I know. So, um, but things are. Uh, yeah. What's What's been going on?
3: Yeah. Uh, so- well, New York is getting back to normal, uh, which of course means getting back to being weird. Uh, so <laughs> that's exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're all. We all met in New York and uh, I have stayed, I've stuck around. And so it's really nice to see New York getting back to its
2: lively self. Uh, Yeah. I miss that.
0: Yeah, 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 I I, I,
2: I, I skidoodled the heck out of New York right before before the (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) And uh, I'm now in St. Louis. I'm back in St. Louis actually. I think Jason, when you and I talked, I was still in St. Louis uh, just before I went to New York. Um, and now I'm in St. Louis working full-time for Exploding Kittens and doing doing really fun, wild stuff. Um, but things are, things, yeah, things are unfortunately getting back to normal here, but we're, you know, also <laughs> still dealing with the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, same here. How about you, Francesca? How are things uh, in your neck of the woods?
1: Yeah, I'm also over on the East Coast. I'm currently in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. um, yeah i things are looking up there Yeah. (laughs) yep (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah i'm here i'm here temporarily but i did grow up here so i'm used to this just like you know city city entirely surrounded and involved in politics but um yeah no i uh so i teach uh remotely online i've been doing it since before the pandemic started i'm continuing to do it now so even though things are getting More back to normal in the real world. I still find myself like equally as online (laughs) as I was before. Unfortunately, and also fortunately, but we have some cool uh, incubator programs we're going to be running this summer. Uh, So it's keeping me busy. Yeah,
0: that's very cool. Very cool. And I um so I I just thought of a story that I have to tell the three of you. Uh, It specifically pertains to Carol, but I think oh of you will find this. (laughs) I want to hear.
3: I'm excited.
0: So Carol, I've never told you the story before, but it's all about you. So, oh no. Have, have have the three of you any of you or or I know a lot of listeners have, but have you ever seen the TV show Lost that used to be on? It oh, was like super popular for a yeah, while. Yeah, I have
2: not in fact seen Lost. Well, okay,
3: so I watched almost every single episode until the last season, and then the last season I just was like I felt like a drug addict when I was watching <laughs> it. <was> like, <laughs> I'm not watching it. At a certain point I hit the like I had a moment where I was like, I'm not watching this because I enjoy it. I'm watching it because I have to.
2: You know, I feel like I felt that way about Battlestar Galactica. Oh I also
3: Okay, I also don't like endings. So I don't watch that scenario of anything. I'm I'm
1: so curious then. So if Carol has never seen Lost and this story is about Carol and Lost. It's it's wow. not about lost.
0: A lost is the example I want to
1: provide, so, <laughs> so it'll make sense
0: to y'all, and hopefully Carol can catch on. So, um, all right. So, in Lost, they do this thing where these people are on this island together, right? But they like to do these flashbacks, and it turns out these people have all interacted meaningfully in in each other's lives throughout the thing. Spoiler alert for a show that ended ten years ago. Um, <laughs> so, so here's the story, Carol. That this is crazy, and the impact that you've had. On my life and friends, without ever having met me. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. She's I'm doing ready. That I'm like mind I'm blown. My, thing. Yes. Yeah. So, so first of all, um, I uh, two two stories. One that's a little not as exciting, and then the other one that's really crazy. So, um, so Banana Chan. We all know Banana Chan. Well, Carol does. I don't know if you, if the rest of you do. You should know her. She's amazing. Banana's she's become a really amazing. good friend of mine. Um, And the reason she's a good friend of mine is because Carol turned down the opportunity to be uh, in our, we used to do this thing called the iron design competition and Carol was supposed to be in it. uh, And then she couldn't make it. It was just when you were graduating and you couldn't go to Gen Con. Um, And so uh, pretty late in the game, we went and found banana Chan who I'd never met before uh, and now we like co-design stuff. We co-design No Context, uh, a game that Carol really likes. Um, and uh, yeah, so so the reason her and I are co-designers and friends now is because Carol turned us down, right? Uh, imagine,
2: imagine <laughs> how you and I could be co-designers and friends now, but we are neither. Of I know those things. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> burn!
0: I had hurt. I'm
2: just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, I so, say that with all the love in my heart.
0: <laughs> so, so, so there's another piece of the story though about another friend and this, is, this is where it gets weird, right? So I told my other friend, I told my friend Kelly, I told him this story. Uh, oh, Kelly. Was, I know Kelly. Uh, yes. Right. And so he says, he says, um, no, I can make it weirder. He said a long time ago, I, before him and I knew each other, he went to a uh, design thing in St. Louis. I don't remember what it was. It might have been like Geekway or Pixel something.
2: Pixel Pop Festival. Oh, oh it might have been. It was.
0: It, it might have been. Yes, yes. So obviously, you've been
2: to Pixel Pop. Yeah,
0: you did something with that. I don't know. You
2: did something with Pixel Pop Festival <laughs> in St. Louis. I don't know.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so you play tested a game of Kelly's uh, and encouraged him to like keep working on it, keep going with it, and that helped. Like that. Pushed him, you know, towards more de- doing more design stuff, and he kept designing. We met; we're now like really close friends, co-designers, all because Carol. So you've had this like profound impact on my life, like just like guiding people towards me, uh, you know, without even. It's knowing all it. for
2: you. That- it's stupid. It's all- super weird. I do and yet, we're not you.
0: co-designers, nor are we friends, <laughs> as you pointed out. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that'll have to change. Yeah, so.
0: But so I thought that was pretty funny. So, anyways, yeah,
2: that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that.
0: <laughs> so, you all went to NYU, um, in their game design program. Um, right. and you all graduated from NYU with masters in game design. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: yeah so, masters in yeah. fine arts, MFAs, terminal degrees.
1: Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> too far, so... too much,
2: too much. It's
1: terminal. <laughs> um,
3: there are a lot of really fun acronyms that you can come up with, with MFA, mother effing yeah. artist
2: is a common one. Yeah. Here. Hey, let's, let's keep it PG-13 here. That's what I said. I mean, hey, she said effing. She said effing. We're good. Effing. Oh, fine. I just translated immediately in my brain. <laughs> well,
3: hopefully, hopefully the listeners can also do so. Um,
0: oh, yeah, they can.
3: Uh, I ended up. You filthy animals. <laughs> Filthy animals. The filthy animal degree. Uh, I ended up doing the MFA, actually, because I was completing a separate program with NYU uh, in Games for Learning. Yeah, that's right. With a completely different school at NYU. It's kind of like Hogwarts houses, uh, but a little bit more separate. And I was completing a separate degree and taking electives in the game center uh, not because it was easy but because I kept showing up to the classes (laughs) and they didn't know what to do with me (laughs) and so I kept like getting enrolled in them and uh, I learned that it was something I really wanted to do so I completed my other degree early so that I could then sort of double enroll which is not allowed uh, but, but you yeah, did it anyway. I did it anyway. And right that's how room. we became to be
2: co-designers. Code you know, yeah,
3: I was, just, I was just really, really insistent and, uh, yeah, uh, decided that my education could be best supplemented by doing both degrees
0: mm-hmm.
3: for less money and less time.
0: Yeah. Nice. So... But so what we want to talk about tonight, based on you all graduating there is, you know, in all the episodes we've done, I don't think we've ever really covered the topic of having a formal education in game design. We, we've we certainly yeah. had people who've had that, but that's never been our actual focus. And so having three of you that did that and had very similar experiences and now are, have co-designed a game that we'll talk about later... Uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, to uh, to kind of delve into that topic.
2: Oh, it's a hot topic. <laughs> People got yeah. so many opinions on this. I Jason, mean, yeah. you, are you ready? Yeah. I am.
0: I I have opinions too, but I'm not even going to share them. I'm just going to listen to y'all's opinions. So. Oh, I'm curious to great. hear your
2: opinions as we share our own. Uh, honestly.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Do you so. want
2: to? Do you want to? Do you have anything in particular you want to kick us off with?
0: So so I guess, like, I like to start with positives. So I would love to know, uh, well, first of all, before we even do that, let's reverse, let's let's talk a little bit about the overall process. What, you know, what what was it like? Um, just, I mean, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like some sort of kind of a summary of, uh, you know, what were classes like, what were the focuses, that sort of thing, you know, whatever you really felt like the, the main structure of it was. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think also for um, yeah for some background context as well. Um, so I'm someone who, um, and I think this is actually rather unusual for the games industry, but I have two degrees in games. I also did my undergrad in games. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like while it's becoming more commonplace now for people to go to school, specifically for games, um, we're a new industry. Uh, games academic programs are even newer, so it's actually less usual than you think to find, you know, people who have been in the industry for a while in like senior roles or leadership roles who actually have game specific degrees. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, and I, the, the programs vary so much. So my undergrad was a lot more focused in technical skills of creating games um, and video games know, the, specifically, right? Video games specifically. So all digital uh, born out of a computer science department. Uh, but the thing that really drew me to um, NYU and the program there is because it is a specifically a design program. Uh, and for me personally, like looking at games a little bit more closely in terms of like, how can we study them? How do they impact the world? What is the, you know, positive, um, impact, right. That we can be having and all the cool, cool things that we can make, um, beyond just the, like. How do, we, how do we make this and how do we do it? But mm-hmm. also the the why as well. So we do yeah, a lot of, yeah. Uh, yeah. NYU is big on like big brain design thinking. So I, yeah. I really appreciated that.
2: And it's also a multidisciplinary design program. And so mm-hmm. like, obviously we're here on a board games podcast because we have experience designing board games, but also Francesca mentioned you know it's a, like her background is also in digital games and teaches you know primarily focused on digital games but that is to say there's so much opportunity to study and 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 learn board games and traditional and analog game design and ttrpgs and things like that which is so great i mean it's just like it opens you up to the idea that games are simply a medium to be explored um and they're like an art form to be explored regardless of the actual Mm -hmm. like physical medium that you create them in right and so that was that was what was really cool about it yeah they also they also are
3: great at supporting whatever somebody wants to do
2: Mm -hmm.
3: where even if uh even if no one has made a game remotely like something that you're working on uh they will come together and support like faculty, everyone, other students will come together and support whatever it is that you're trying to do in that field. So for example, uh, Carol and Francesca made a very unique game. <laughs> uh, <that> no one <laughs> else had so <laughs> And you know what? Like everyone came together and they were like, yeah, we will give up like a large portion of our floor to make sure that you have a space for your couch so that people Whoa. can sit on it. Francesca,
0: <laughs> I didn't realize you were the other person behind Hell Couch. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Oh, yes. yeah,
3: that's That's sweet. fantastic. Like, sorry, <laughs> <you>. subtle reveal. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I'm, I'm everyone was like, on it right yeah. Right now. yeah. We're, we're down with this. We want to make sure that this happens. And... Uh, you know multiple faculty members and so many other students were just like yeah let's make this happen mm-hmm, um yeah. it's a game it's different it's fun and we're going to make sure that it is is as ugh, sorry that it's as successful as possible
2: yeah. yeah i think yeah honestly like the the best part of games academia regardless of what their program offers and what their program focuses on is the ability for students to just explore whatever they want without the necessity of like feeling like there needs to be a commercial success. Right. So like as Mm -hmm. a designer now in the field, I'm constantly like, okay, whatever game I design has to be able to be published or it's, or it's a failure and it's it's not worth my time or whatever. Right. Like that is to say, like, obviously anything that you create informs future creations, but in school, like it doesn't matter at all. Like there's zero pressure whatsoever, except for maybe if you care about grades. Um, but really, the entire yeah, if, you care about if maybe if you care about <laughs> nah. grades, well, I don't know. Nah. Let's,
3: let's be honest. All three of us very much care about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, not that was- not
3: so much just because of the number, but because we wanted to make sure that what we were doing was high quality.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think also something that you touched on a little bit, Kai, is like the. Sense of community that you get from being in a program, right? This is a dedicated space that not only, as Carol was saying, is providing you th- the space and time uh, and resources to be able to kind of just like make weird stuff and experiment and like push the boundaries of games uh, as we know them, but you also have a- really awesome faculty who are experts in their field and want to see you succeed. You also are surrounded by peers who are. Some of the most like talented and uh, fantastic, like upcoming creators. Um, so that is something that also I think just naturally inspires you to do really mm-hmm. good work. Um, I mm-hmm. have often told people that it was worth going to NYU just because I got to meet Carol and work with Carol, specifically because we have made like three, four, five games together. Um, three notable
2: projects at this point, yeah,
1: yeah, which. A collaboration like that and a collaboration like this also with Kai, with Chroma, has propelled my career in a way that could I have achieved it outside of this program? Absolutely. But I think it would have taken way more effort on my part and way more time as well. So I I feel like I benefited a lot in that regard.
2: Yeah. The mentorship is specifically why I chose to go to school. Yeah.
1: And like that was like that was what drove me like the decision
2: making Mm, process mm -hmm. of do I just focus two years of creating stuff on my own at home in St. Louis with cheap rent and no tuition or do I go and take the plunge and take the huge risk and go to NYU and like I had no idea. I mean like it was hard and it was exhausting and there's definitely you know negatives to going to school but um, the like the mentors that I was able to get. The peers, like Francesca said, that I was able to get, and the opportunity to create the opportunity and encouragement to create projects that I just simply wouldn't have even had the creativity for in my own little bubble um, is just unparalleled.
0: Yeah. No,
2: something I was going to say is like the decision to
3: go to an MFA program, which we all made, well, you know, the three of us, um, that's a big decision. You know, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of stress, that's a section of life that you're dedicating to do this. And I think the three of us all took it, like, made that decision for different reasons. Uh, And I think that if we each hadn't taken that path, we wouldn't have ended up where we are today for the better. Right. Like, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. we're better for having made that decision. Um, we all, so at least for me, I took a large portion of time working in a completely different set of industries before deciding I needed to go back to school and better myself and sort of realign myself with goals and passions and my own skills and understanding, um, you know, uh, I think that we all took different amounts of time to align ourselves with that kind of decision that needed to be made because it is a big decision oh, to yeah. go into this kind of industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that makes games sense. Are
3: not, games are not necessarily big money makers. Uh, Don't we know it? You no. Know, we, we, <laughs> we didn't choose to go to law school. Uh, we didn't decide to be doctors uh, or go into business. Um, which probably monetarily would have been better decisions, but
1: but games for are special. And our skills, games <laughs> are exactly mean, special. You mean hell And couch? it's worth the it. game where we had to buy an entire couch every time we wanted to showcase it. Is not pulling in tons of cash. Oh, <laughs> I love finding uh, out. Uh, you know. I'm still
3: I'm still waiting for IKEA to partner with y'all. Uh, I know,
1: right? Sponsor us, please. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> IKEA. Let's do it. <laughs> so you know i a couple of things that really stood out to me there um the sense of community obviously that's huge I, I do think that that's the game design community is very tight in general and finding that community i think is it is is when you really can hit your stride so completely agree with that mentorship as well is a really really big thing um, you know, and, and now we have some cool things like, you know, the tabletop mentorship program, which is phenomenal. And they do a great job of putting designers with mentees and uh, and really pairing people up well um, in that I've seen how that works for people. I can't imagine having an immersive mentorship for two years or, or more that really obviously would do a lot.
2: I think it's also worth noting the structured chaos of an MFA program right. or like any, any sort of like educational program, because it is, it's like, you have structure to create whatever you want like you're being mm-hmm. encouraged to create whatever you want and you have deadlines to create whatever you want and that right, never right. happens anywhere so else true. in the real world
0: right in fact so i was actually going to make a comment about that which is that um one of the huge benefits i've had over the last almost 10 years now is is this podcast because the way it started was that rob and i uh the, the former co-host we would have to um every week one of us would have to pitch a game idea we'd have to pitch a, a full game. We didn't actually have to design it. it. didn't have to necessarily work, but what came out of that was exactly what you're talking about, right? Which mm-hmm. was deadlines that forced us to have ideas that were probably never going to go anywhere. Um, yeah. and you're absolutely right. <laughs> obviously we got less of that than you did because you actually had to follow through and finish those projects, which is a huge, Most huge, huge benefit. <laughs> um, right, right. But, but you know, I, I, I completely support the idea that designing I taking ideas and designing them knowing that they're never going to do anything besides be a project that you will learn from and then be done with. Um, one hundred percent. Like that is that is an amazing way to learn. So I, I
2: and an opportunity to explore yourself and explore aspects yeah. that you know are not commercially viable. Like actually create art, right? Like make right. some weird, like weird poetry game that you know that, you know, like might someday maybe find its way into a little art museum or like a little art curation, but will never get sold at Target. You know, says, or,
3: says the-, the, the idea that something doesn't have that you are able to fully explore a game or an experience that is not commercially viable or that won't, you know, that won't make you money um, is so freeing as a mental experience. Uh, as a game designer like that's huge um
0: right for sure
3: the the three of us our first game as a trio <laughs> yeah was,
1: let's talk about it
3: yeah <laughs> let's talk about this uh was game we i oh i don't know if i can say this on the podcast uh we <laughs> you can't even battleship, say the title
2: <laughs> battleships battleship. Battleship. battleships <laughs>
3: uh which was an uncomfortable non-verbal communication gameplay type experience uh between two people in different bathroom stalls
0: <laughs> <laughs> where it's fantastic with that no one
3: fantastic so what it was was it was two photos uh like you know when you see a photo or a, yeah a picture on a wall that's crooked Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just you just want to make it even. That's all you want. You know, you're not make that it. Um, the issue in what we designed was that if if you corrected it in your stall, it made the other one crooked. It's evil. <laughs> it's like
2: an no. ouroboros of like madness of awfulness i love it and that was that was yeah. all of, yeah that that and was you're doing the, all this while you're pooping next to somebody
3: and so you could you could interact with it if you wanted you could just try to live with it while you went to the bathroom to see this like awkward you know awkward crooked painting or you could fix it and then if you did it meant that the other side needed to fix it too
1: i think also you have lot to of like realize they were connected and yeah. the sheer horror when they realize they have just moved something in someone else's bathroom stall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, it, it's asynchronous as well, right? Is yeah. this like a physical game you made where, yeah, like, people were we sitting in stalls?
2: Yeah, yeah. We put it. In <laughs> the, yeah, we put it in the public restroom at the NYU oh Game Center. Gosh.
3: It was very. It was difficult for faculty to try to figure out how to. Uh, Showcase. <laughs> they were like, we've never. They were like, we've never tried to figure out how to like block off
2: this area for showcases.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So that's the kind of weird so, stuff you get to do in grad school.
0: <laughs> so that sounds to me that game right there. If that's all you did your entire time of grad school, that sounds like it's worth the price of admission right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: take, that take is my amazing. It's worth it. <laughs> It was so much fun to make and also experience as a player. Yeah, oh, because, no
0: my gosh, you could literally go sit in a stall and just wait for someone, right? Yeah. Make- oh, we
3: did. <laughs> we did. it. Uh, we got a play test. Portions, portions of that game, even after we, we, after we removed it, I think I texted Carol probably a year and a half later as a faculty member. Uh, I was like, hey, Carol, Francesca, Portions of like the our installation. Portions of our installation are still sitting there. Yep.
0: Like, oh my gosh.
3: Unremoved and
0: undisturbed. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. Oh my gosh. Like
2: that is, <laughs>
0: Thank you. That Did
3: we blow that you is your mind? So if so anyone throw. wants to hire us to Award-winning install uh, designers. If anyone is interested in installing Battleships, I think we in
2: renamed it. when we turned it in, we renamed uh, it to Bathroom Thoughts. Oh, Bathroom <laughs> Which is Thoughts. also disgusting. <laughs> uh, the, the yeah, fir- so if anyone wants to better, contact yes. us, uh,
3: that's us. I'm sure that that's... our information will be posted somewhere. <laughs> if yeah.
0: I, I can tell you for sure that if I ever own a business with multiple bathroom stalls, I, I'll be calling because, yeah, I mean, I don't own a business with one bathroom stall, but if I did... <laughs> I would be calling you. Yeah, it's a great,
2: it's a great space for advertising. Just slide a little flyer in there. You don't even need a painting. You just put in ads. You making money and having fun. (laughs) Look at me, I'm a business person.
0: If if I was like if I owned a board game cafe like right now, this would be signed and this would be in every stall in the board game cafe because why not?
2: I'm saying we even
0: have games in the bathroom.
2: That sounds (laughs) weird, but you know what I mean. It's true.
0: That's fantastic. So, so we've talked about, uh, like, so w- of the things you've mentioned, would you say that, what, what of the things you've mentioned? Would you say was the single biggest for each of you, the single biggest positive to, um, to, you know, being, you know, being in, uh, game design. So, I was going to say film school. Ah, design school. <laughs> um, you know, what hey, was no. that? Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> That's what I did.
0: No, I actually, I actually majored in film and uh, broadcasting in college. So, yeah.
3: yeah. Hey, same here. That was my,
0: uh, that was my bachelor's.
3: Okay, oh, very yeah. cool. And yet, here I am today.
0: <laughs> well, I I can tell you that I graduated with my bachelor's knowing that I would never do that job in my entire life. I was like, nope, <laughs> no, nope. oh, no, nope. At nope. least
3: you figured it out early. It took me years of working in that industry before I was like, you know what, I, no, no.
0: Yeah, no. no I I literally was ha- halfway through and I thought, um, no, this isn't for me, but I'll finish it. So I was super marketable though. I had a film degree, minor in creative writing. It was real good stuff. It was like, you know, oh yeah, this is- every job. Yeah. Oh, all the jobs. And then I worked every, twenty every years in the now. mortgage industry. So in IT. So that made sense. You know? <laughs> mortgage technology. Like it's hot stuff. Like spicy. And here's a you know hard making
3: a podcast. Ooh. What happened? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh well, a couple of years ago I I quit. <laughs> so that was the best yeah. that was the best. So yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I design games
0: and, and help people do development coaching. So it's it's yeah. good times. And awesome. host podcast. i hosted the podcast while I was in the industry, but yeah. So, but no, enough about me. Tell me your positives. What are your, what's the best of the, th- of, you listed a lot of good stuff, but I'm curious for each of you, what, what the biggest, you know, positive was out of those.
1: Yeah, I can, I can jump in. Cause I, mine is really quick cause I already said it, but that, uh, that community and just network that you get from being in a mm-hmm. program like that, specifically NYU, like graduates go on to work in all sorts of different types of jobs all across the industry. Um, as was mentioned, it's really multidisciplinary. So you have people going on, you know, a majority of us to be designers, but a lot of people go into computer science um, and working in games. A lot of people will go into production and games, all sorts of different roles. So just the, the people that I have met while I was in that program continue to support me and be lifelong friends now, but also just, you know, the the, it, the, the larger network of people who have gone through NYU in the past, people who will go through in the future, um, you continue to make new connections based off of that uh, and that existing kind of um, overlap, right, that you have with them. So yeah, that continues to support awesome. me all the time. Yeah, it's, it's great.
0: Very cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I do I do definitely agree with that. Like, I I have more, I made so many lifelong friends in two years in a way that I've never at any other point in my adulthood. Um, just like no, like having these like incredibly intense connections with people in such a short period of time. But I have to say the thing that, that struck me the hardest was, like I said, the, the structured chaos. I was more productive in two years than my entire, like the entire 10 years leading up to that in my career. Because um, like I, I took 10 years between undergrad and going to grad school. And like while I was incredibly, you know, proficient and productive. I had never made as much work as I did in the two years as I was at NYU. And I made Mm award-winning work. I made stuff that was like being like, I had at one point three different games in one festival, like just producing so much so quickly at PAX East this past year. I think I had three different games showcasing. It was just like it was. It was like being caught up in this incredible creative whirlwind. And if we start talking about negatives, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I know the next. Don't worry.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) Uh,
3: For me, it was. This is a little bit like emotional, but like. The biggest thing for me was the idea that I could get a terminal degree in something that wasn't accessible to me when I was growing up. Um, I was raised in a family where I guess I've always been a little bit of a rebel, but uh, (laughs) because my bachelor's was in film and digital media and I worked in a video store to date myself. Uh, You know, we still, we we rented VHS, Laserdisc sometimes, uh, and DVD. But um, no, for me, I was raised in a family where media wasn't a part of our lives, like pretty strictly. Um, I saved my ice cream quarters to sneakily rent one of the apes movies yeah um and then like did the thing where you know i would watch them before my mom got home and then like made sure to turn them off as soon as i heard the garage door so that the tv wasn't still warm um so then i went into uh you know film and digital media and worked in the film and television industry for a while and that broke my soul Uh, but with games, games weren't for me. Games were for my brother, quite frankly. Um, he got the Game Boy only on trips. Uh, and he got to stay up and play board games with his friends, you know. Uh, but games weren't a feminine thing. And even though I was raised in a family where like gender wasn't huge, uh, those assumptions still existed. So, I never would have thought that I would find a community that accepted me as a gamer, like not like big G gamer, but
1: like, <laughs> a little little G gamer, <laughs> a
3: little G gamer. Like I, I was terrified of entering something that I felt like I was good at and felt like I could make waves in and wanted to be a part of, like, I didn't think that that would happen at this stage in my life, um, without having the accessibility and knowledge mm. that so many other people entering this MFA already had.
1: And yeah. I did,
3: um, I found a support system and I was accepted and I did well enough to even, like, you know, uh, teach programming <laughs> at a collegiate level. I mean, which is still mind boggling to me. Uh, I don't want to say that they made a mistake. I'm just saying, like,
1: what? I feel that way too. Yeah. They're to right.
0: hear this, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wanted right. to um, like, I wanted to jump in also, Kai, and yeah. mention that the cohort that we were a part of at the in the MFA program at the Game Center uh, was, I think, the first cohort that they had had that I think was majority non-men.
2: majority non men,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. Which uh, yeah, yeah, which is something that you know we're that was completely new to me. Also, yeah, as someone who has had a career in games beforehand, I don't think I'd ever been in a space or a community that had that amount of gender diversity and also mm, racial mm-hmm. diversity as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was previously up in up in um, communities in Massachusetts, and it was just really refreshing to be able to work with people who like i was saying like understand this background of like not always being supported in games and in the sciences um mm-hmm. and specifically being able to empower each other and right be in this space uh allowed to make mistakes and do that and and make as we've been talking about just really weird stuff without that pressure of needing like validation right to mm-hmm. to feel like yeah i'm supposed to be here because it's like yeah we're all we're all supposed to be here
2: yeah. Or the, the expectation is that a game is a game about raiding castles or shooting people like games, like yeah. games were supported to be, you know, to be explorative and artful. Um, and that was something that really struck home for a lot of us, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Also
3: with the faculty, I'll say that they did an amazing job of adapting and being able to listen where, because not just for, you know, I mean, you can say like you can shift your student your student database like drastically where all of a sudden you have like a lot less white people <laughs> and a lot less males. Um you can say that like in your brochures, but the faculty themselves shifted as well and were really adaptable and great at listening to all of the changes that we expressed needed to happen Mm -hmm. if that makes sense
1: yeah that makes total sense yeah yeah i'll also say on the since we're talking about just you know general general academia um yeah another thing is both kind of like you know adapting to support marginalized creators and like and not because they're marginalized creators but because we're making like really freaking good work already (laughs) really cool Um, stuff (laughs) yeah we're making really cool stuff uh and like seeking out those people in those communities to say like, yeah, come to our program. We want to support you and we want to help you make more fantastic stuff. The other thing I'll say is that um, a lot of academic programs because of kind of, you know, the bureaucracy of universities and, and higher education, I think have a hard time keeping up with the games industry because again, we're new, we're evolving, we're adapting so quickly. A lot of the software and things that I was taught, right, like best practices from undergrad are... Pretty much no longer relevant, right? 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 Um, yeah, and I think like the the Game Center does a fantastic job of like getting that feedback constantly from from students and looking mm-hmm. at the industry, being active in the industry, so that the courses and the programs can prepare you in a way that is significant and effective. Right. Right. Um, that's good. yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah. Good. Absolutely.
3: Something I cause... would say when looking at a program, whether it's the NYU Game Center or not is looking for a program that doesn't hold on to ego as something that holds them now i mean the games industry changes so quickly oh yeah Uh, not just for oh i'm so sorry my automatic cat feeder just went off hold on technology i used to have one of
0: those yes
3: uh i love that but um no uh Users of games adapt quickly, and you need people who, like, you know, this industry changes so fast all of the time, and if you are looking at doing a program in games, you need to find faculty and a program that wants to support that kind of adaptability and, you know, Mm -hmm. support rapid change. Um, because if you don't, it, you know, the, the program, it doesn't matter if you're going to some place that's prestigious, as long as you're going to a place that supports you and what you're interested in and is able to keep up with that kind of
2: mm-hmm.
3: interest mm-hmm. and keep up with the times.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's true in any industry that you go to college with. I mean, I, my college was light years behind on on broadcasting and film when I went there. I, I actually had a better <laughs> oh, no. program in high school uh, than I did there when it came to technology and stuff. So, wow. um, yeah, it is what it is, right? That sucks. Um, so, uh, I mean, I didn't want to work in the industry anyway, so who cares? Yeah, good I for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so because I don't want to run out of time, I, I want to give everybody a chance to give me their, their biggest negative they feel like For going to uh, for going to get a formal education um, in games, you know, like what what do you think when when you came out of there? What what do you feel like was your your biggest like you're like, oh, wow, that was bad. Anything
2: yeah, I, I mean, beyond like the obvious answer, which is how unbelievably ungodly expensive it is.
0: So, I was. Yes. Yeah, so, I so, Other than expensive. So. Other
2: than expensive. Like, I mean, that's that's something that you have to weigh before you go. You know that going in, how expensive it's going to be most likely for me, it was just the burnout. Like I'm still recovering. I worked <sighs> so hard for yeah. so long. I ran nonstop sprinted and like impressed myself with how much work I was able to do. But drove myself to a level of depression that I've never experienced before in my life, and I'm still continuing to recover from, and sometimes even still, like revert back into because it's still so like so so fresh. We only graduated in 2019, and it's 2021 now, so two years even has wait, not been wait, enough time. Wait, to 2020 recover.
1: doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I
0: was going to thank you. I was going to say fair. 2020 does not count there was no recovery I mean, in 2020
1: right i know I mean, but yeah. but i
2: do want to I, I, like i don't want to i mean like i was still like burned out and and really suffering and my mental health really struggled especially toward you know the end of my second year um mm-hmm. to the point where like i i saw a psychiatrist for my first time and and it really you know that was eye-opening and so you know like i learned a lot about myself and about my capacity but that is something that i never want to recreate
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think my my would be the same to add on to that. Um, yeah, I'm also still feeling the after effects of burnout. I've also recently been looking into, there's been a lot of research, right? Because, uh, because burnout has, has become more, I think, prevalent as the stress of pandemic and, and other world events mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. happening. There's been more research into burnout and I'm seeing articles that like, once you experience burnout to a certain level, you never truly recover from it. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh shoot. Uh, uh, Maybe I should have considered that, but. um, I I absolutely believe that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think think it's such a huge thing. I I also think that when you are producing at that level and you're going at that speed, uh, it's really hard to slow down. Uh, I am someone who has continued to work multiple jobs, work on uh, lots of different projects at the same time, because if I reduce the speed that I'm running at, I feel bad about it because I know I can produce Mm -hmm. at a higher level. Uh, And I would also say a a huge downside to being in a community, unfortunately, where everyone is amazing and producing fantastic work is that comparison, right, of feeling like you need to keep up. Of course. yeah it's really hard to slow down um so that's something i'm i'm absolutely still dealing with right now i'm extremely grateful that the people that i did work on projects with um especially during that time like towards that second year when we were all kind of getting to that point Mm
2: -hmm. i was
1: working with people who would check in on me and would be accommodating if I just needed to like take a minute, right? Um, right, right. So I I absolutely appreciate that because I feel like if I hadn't had that space to be honest when I needed to take a moan a moment or take a rest, uh, it would have been a lot worse. So I'm really grateful for all the people I worked with.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I think, gosh, the the comparison thing that you pointed out, right? Of when you are with high performers, y- you feel like you have to be a high performer. You have to keep up, right? Um, and that is is a very dangerous thing to get stuck in, and I think that it happens in all, obviously it happens in all forms of life, but the game design community is, is is really tough for that, even outside of the school. Like, if you just look at the community, it's one of the most welcoming communities. We've got a lot of problems, a lot of problems that every time we think we get past them, it's like, can we go a day or a week without some huge problem, but we can't, um, because there's a lot of, lot of bad people, but um in in our industry as well but but like that comparison game is really easy because it's a we're a tight industry so we all know what everyone's doing and there's only so much capacity within the industry to do the things that it does to publish games right to put games out to do the things and uh but there it feels like there's an unlimited number of game designers (laughs) out there doing those trying to do those things um so so yeah i think that you know um that it's easy, even if you've had some success, it can be easy to look back and be like, "Oh gosh, but I'm not doing as good as these other people are, right?" You know, yeah. and why am I not trying as hard as them? And um, and I talk to a lot of designers on this show, and so many of them, I'm just in awe of the amount of work that they put in and the amount of time they put in. And I'm like, I don't have that in me. Like I just don't have that in me, right? Uh, and it took me, like it did with you all, some time to work that out, right? Some time to say, "Nope, Mm-mm. I don't. I don't. Not for my mental health. I don't have that." And uh, yeah. that's important.
3: For for me, I would say the the worst portion of the experience for me was those feelings of not being educated enough um, simply through accessibility. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, wait, you don't know how to play Halo? You don't know how to use an Xbox controller? Well, screw you. You don't know the most popular, you know, this thing, that thing, um, that, that was really hard. Um, that distancing and feeling like I can do, I can put in more work than anybody else, you know, to learn a certain thing or specifically for, we took a fundamental class that was quote unquote, like fundamental learning. Um, and, It was really hard to not do well on the final despite running study groups simply because I didn't have, you know, 15 years of video game knowledge playing them. Um, That felt very, very distancing uh, and felt, I mean, just for me and my experience, very gendered. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I would say that that was the hardest part in combination with the... Uh, how do I say this? Um, actually, I well, won't. I won't say it. <laughs> Never <laughs> mind.
0: Yeah. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I-, I think that's it's extremely, extremely, like, I think very, very true, because I think in in this specific program, I as I mentioned, like this community was not one where I felt like there was a lot of gatekeeping. But as we know, the games industry at large, that that very much exists. And I think it's something that also as as creators, right, that we're kind of battling with every day in the content that Mm -hmm. we're making, especially for making stuff that is like, in my case, I make a lot of games that are very like sparkly and queer. And that is something that is not always accepted by the larger kind of games audience, right? So you're kind of battling battling against that bit of a bit of an uphill, but um, yeah, absolutely want to agree with that guy.
3: Sorry, I think I I figured out how to say this, which is that the games industry and players are working re- like making incredible strides to acceptance um, in visibility and in players and all of that um, but not in ex- uh, not in sort of financial accessibility hmm. where it's okay no matter what you look like or who you identify as or who you hang out with, you know what I mean? Um, That's all okay. But if you don't know how to use an Xbox controller or are slow at things, um, especially with the emergence of really great technology that allows us to play cooperative games, that sometimes that makes it a little bit harder. So if you didn't have the money or the access to play on, you know, different types of technology um, and you're not necessarily good at doing it and have a learning curve, uh, that sometimes that feels like a huge barrier um, Mm -hmm. beyond your gender or what you look like or anything like that.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially on the digital side with what you're referring to there with, you know, being well-versed in the games and, and playing them and such. I, we see the same thing on the, think of the tabletop side with, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you. I would say every episode, generally, someone will say, well, have you played this game? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even It's like a tabletop game. Sometimes I'm like, I haven't even heard of that game. Uh, and I've been doing this for a long time. And I've played a lot of games and I own a lot of games. Uh, and a lot of people are super cool about They're Like, Oh, you should try this game. Right. But there, you know, I, I actually, one of the early reviews we had on our podcast was somebody said, I think these two guys could, should stop designing, stop doing this podcast and maybe go play a few more games, uh, before they try and talk about it. And I was like, well, you can F right off. Um, cause yeah, I don't care what insert. Yeah. insert
3: giant, potentially audible. eye rule here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh.
0: yeah. So no. that, um, that, yeah, that was my least favorite comment we ever got. My favorite yeah. comment as a complete aside was these guys sound like my uncle, um, with <laughs> All a <right>. five-star review. <laughs> uh, right. And I was like, I'm in like, yeah, sure. I'll be your <laughs> uncle, whatever. I don't care. Like So, so yeah, I, I there's, there's a tremendous amount of gatekeeping, um, yeah. Uh, and and I do, Akai. I think you're completely on to, you know, even in the even on the tabletop side, right? The accessibility factor of can I get these games to play them? Because you know, eh, board games aren't cheap, just like digital games aren't cheap. Uh, or can, can I go I to conventions? Yeah, can I go to? That one of them potentially owns it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, or can I go to conventions? Right. Do I have the Do I have the funds to go to conventions and do these things? And yeah, yeah I mean, like that's that's that is those are barriers and i think we're doing things in the community to try and help that but but not enough right um not enough at all um so so yeah you know and i i think that in some ways i think some people felt like well 2020 like you you can pitch games online you can talk to publishers online yes but those people who who are struggling don't necessarily have jobs like like myself or some others where you can just be working from home and have time to do that right yeah um you know so or have I, I the connections
2: that, you know have right, the experience right. going to the conventions that got you the connections that yes. allow you yes. those those digital interactions because that's something mm-hmm. like or, whenever i hear about a board game designer being like oh i don't know i just got lucky i took my game to a convention and i got signed it's like you have the money to take your game to a convention right. yes, you have yes, the time you got, to go yeah. like that is something to acknowledge is that that level of privilege and that's absolutely something I think that we should acknowledge is having the privilege to go to you know to go to a university that is Mm -hmm. um both expensive but also well connected
0: right right also
2: in terms of play like
3: especially in this last year or so uh the ability to sit down with people to play is huge. I mean, we already know it's really hard to like, be like, wait, guys, I promise this game is going to be fun. Let me teach it to you. Uh, I pro like, maybe we'll buy pizza. Like, you know what I mean? Like getting people to get together to play a game is really hard. Um, but especially now, like, unless you live with the person, uh, it's incredibly hard to get that group together to complete a game or get that number for optimal mm-hmm. play. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about the game that we designed is that we designed one of the few games that I can think of that is like really great for
0: three people.
2: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, speaking of that,
2: <laughs> let's talk about that game. You want to talk about it?
0: So you all developed and designed and developed a game called Chroma, uh, K R O M A, um, that has been signed and is going to go to Kickstarter, and uh, in the very near future, I believe. So I would love tomorrow, actually tomorrow. (laughs) All right, tomorrow. So um, wait, tomorrow from when we're recording this?
2: No, tomorrow. No, tomorrow when when it goes live. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Look at (laughs) you doing the math, Carol.
0: Nice. I'm like all like like, I don't know what day. I'm a pro. No, I was I was actually I was being rude to myself, not to you, because I'm always like, "What day is that?" I have to write down what day the podcast is publishing so I can do the intro. Okay, so <laughs> Uh I have to
3: w- write down at this point what day it is today so I make sure that I brush my teeth. Like <laughs> that's what the pandemic. Do that.
0: Is yeah. Dental health is very important. It's true. I also okay, use a so, water pick. Right. right. Let's talk Just about chroma. For public information. <laughs> let's let's talk about chroma. Who wants to talk yeah. about chroma?
2: Yeah. Tell me so, about uh, chroma. Yeah, chroma. Chroma is actually the award-winning game that we are award-winning game designers of. out you were out. awarded
0: an award for. We were for an awarded an game. award
2: for chroma. <laughs> um, so chroma is a two to three player abstract strategy game where you stack. Uh, Across a a backlit light board, you stack transparent acrylic colored pieces on top of each other. So all the pieces are blue, pink, and yellow. But when you stack them, they blend into purple, orange, and green. Mm, Each player mm, plays as a secondary color. So you're playing either purple, orange, or green. And your goal is to blend as much of the board into your color and capture that territory as you can. And so, like, throughout this process, it's, like, this really challenging, like, super head-to-head sort of strategy. But throughout the process, you're also accidentally making abstract art. Like, it's so beautiful (laughs) to look at because it's just, like, this backlit board with pieces, you know, of these, like, really striking, beautiful colors. Um, And so, it's it's a really, it's a really unique game. It's, like, an incredibly experimental piece that uses light as a component and uses color blending as a mechanic in a way that no other game that we've seen does. That's
0: fantastic. So if
2: you've ever, you know, gotten together with friends and played a
3: game and been like, oh, well, we had a lot of fun and then been like, oh, shoot, now we have to put it away. This is the game where you actually don't have to <laughs> do that. <laughs> uh, this is the game where you can be like, let's leave it out. Yeah. yeah. I Because mean, it... Nice. It doesn't take up that much room. It's beautiful. And the every light single light. time you play it, it's completely different.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can totally use like... it just like as a lamp. It's really like, I mean, it's this cordless, like battery powered, pretty bright, you know, piece so was of the,
0: art. Was the pitch meaning for this like, okay, remember light bright? Picture it <laughs> as an area control game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it actually started as an area control game and then moved into the light bright like so this like it was like an iteration on previous designs in school so we designed this together at the game center and it like it started out as a like a two-dimensional territory capture game that inspired this three-dimensional territory capture game that incorporates light. yeah so um it it really like it evolved from something that is much more kind of run of the mill into something that is unlike anything anybody else has ever seen
0: that's awesome it then I suggest everybody go look it up. I mean, certainly look it up on Kickstarter, um, but just you know, looking up Chroma, the, the pictures are—they are—they're beautiful. Like it's a—it's a, it's a good-looking game. Uh, it's a really good-looking game, uh, and yeah. So it's going to be on Kickstarter uh, starting tomorrow, ju- ju- uh, June twenty. Second, did you right? say
2: July? I said <laughs> no. June. when I said June 22nd. Okay, I was like, "When are oh. we?"
0: <laughs> I, <just> I thought <laughs> you said June twenty third, and then I was like, "And Francesca's like, did you say July?" And I am like, "What are we hearing?" <laughs> I have no idea when I am right now. So, so, yeah. so. so you mean where you are? I are? Mean, no, I mean when I am. <laughs> when I am. When I am.
3: The the initial design for the game was a really tight, wonderful, like quick play tile laying game. And then we asked ourselves, like, how could we make this longer without expanding the amount of space that we're playing in? And we were like, "Oh, stacking, you know. And for me, I love tile lane games. Like I love the physicality of it. Mm. Oh,
1: and I yeah, love yeah.
3: stacking. Like it just feels good. Um,
0: but do you like, do you like word games? Because I have the game for you if you like word <laughs> games. Oh, is it word oh, up? Words. It's, upwards <laughs> or oh, sorry yes, upwards, upwards yes. uh yes But i wish it was called uh, word up no, because so that is so much games. better that is um, a way better name
3: upwards upwards is a great example where a lot of tiling games or stacking games work to negate the thing that they're being placed on top of mhm and that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to have it be a collaborative experience where the thing below mattered too. Yeah, you're building. And what we're doing now is with Chroma, the bottom layer is just as important as the top layer. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was one of the major inspirations of like, yeah, you can lay things on top of something else, but the thing below you actually matters
0: right right that's no that's fantastic how you mentioned playtime uh trying to extend that what is what is the playtime of it now
2: it's about 20 well, minutes the Initial, yeah the, the initial was that, thing was i said it's about 20 minutes oh, um, per- so oh that's fantastic yeah, it's yeah. a really nice it's a really nice play length it's it's like yep yeah
0: <laughs> that's firmly in the let's just play it again length. so yeah that's
2: yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. yeah
3: especially with the mental like the mental portion of it where you're like, oh, but I could do better, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. really kind of like stinks if you've just played a 45-minute game, right? Where you're like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> I want to try I again. Uh, we don't have time. <laughs>
2: right,
3: like let's do another 45-minute game. Like Chroma's really good at allowing you to be like, wait, just just one more,
0: you that's know? Good. That's that's um, good, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, the initial game was...
2: Three minutes, I think. Three, yeah, minutes, it was five? like it was five to, yeah, okay, five to five. ten, I think. Um, but still, though, yeah, low,
0: oh, yeah. i mean pretty short. Pretty short for uh yeah. for a uh, for a for a tile lane game, yeah. That feels that feels like it's understaying its welcome for sure. You know, yeah. So whereas twenty minutes feels like perfect in that you know zone. I I yeah, love absolutely. fifteen to twenty minute, uh, fifteen to thirty, but like really that fifteen to twenty is really a good. It's really a good zone for games. um so yeah. No, that's fantastic. What's the what's the player count? You said it plays very well with three. What's the player count though?
2: It's two or three players. So it actually two has a different okay. yeah, it has a different win condition for each player count. So the two player is much more like um you know, like fortress building and like kind of a head to head situation. And three player mm-hmm. is sort of a free for all where you're just trying to like capture the most territory. Um and so it's like it's really interesting to play both ways. Highly recommend trying both if you get a chance.
0: That's awesome. The rules are the
2: same. The win condition is just different, which is
0: right. No, that makes sense.
3: Yeah, Um, uh, we also have a single player mode, which is kind of cool. Um, Oh, that's going to be
2: Kickstarter exclusive.
3: Yeah, Kickstarter exclusive. Ah, ah. We have spoiler. Yeah, Um, and this is, I think, the only way you can like access it. Uh, We've developed. If you like tangrams.
0: Oh, nice! um, Yeah, nice.
3: Uh, if you have a copy of the game, which you will if you back us on Kickstarter, uh, <laughs> you will also get a huge set of puzzles that you can work on alone. So our solo mode. Um, or two players or three players or one player and a glass of wine. Like, we yeah.
0: um, not going to win good. that way.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah uh, you'll you'll get a bunch of puzzles that are designed that can only be done using the game. uh, which is a lot of fun.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, it's It's extremely satisfying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
3: kind of one to three. But only one (laughs) if you only one if you have kick only if you
1: have Kickstarter.
2: I also yeah. just you, love how, uh,
1: yeah, like, Carol keeps leaning in and being like, only on Kickstarter. Like, winky, winky face, please back us on <laughs> Kickstarter. On yeah.
0: <laughs> Definitely, everybody go check that out on Kickstarter. Uh, sounds really cool. I know I'll check it out. And this, I, I can't wait to see more details about it. Uh, but it sounds really, really fun. Um, so, yeah. Well, hey, I want to thank the three of you for for being on the show tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so really much, Jason. Discussion. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great having you. I, I wanna give everybody a chance who wants to, uh, to give out their contact information. If you'd be interested in giving that out, is your is your Twitter handles. If you've got you Twitter, know. that's usually the best way to get a hold of people. So um you wanna go Kai, what's uh what's yours?
3: Come back to me. I still have to look it up.
0: <laughs> I'm not getting that. You're stuck with that. That's fantastic. Okay,
3: it's not that I don't care, it's that I'm Once again, I grew up without media and I'm
1: still working on it. But I think also like a a healthy relationship with social media and online as opposed to (laughs) the
0: rest of us. Yes, yes. You're in a better spot. Uh, What about you, Francesca? What's yours?
1: Yes, you can find me on uh, Twitter. I am at Chesky, which is C-E-S-C-H-I-I-I. Yeah, also as just a quick plug. So the organization that I work with is called Code Coven. You can find us at code underscore coven. Uh, So we teach online uh, game development and coding classes and incubators specifically for people of marginalized genders. Yeah. So it's uh, we're starting up a new incubator on Monday. So I've been Uh, wildly busy this week. Um, But yeah, speaking of just kind of like, you know, academia and learning and and getting into games, um, teaching is something I'm really passionate about and empowering more people to make cool, awesome, weird stuff. So those are the two places that you can find me.
0: Fantastic. And then Carol, I know yours actually is at Carol Mertz, unless that's changed.
2: Because
0: I I remember the story (laughs) of there are several people named Carol Mertz, but none of them are young enough to have a Twitter account.
2: So, <laughs> that's extremely just, true. Just that came back true. to me.
0: Uh, that was for the first time you were on the show. You actually told us that. So uh, I just <laughs> now I, just I think there's some
2: people that I wish didn't have Twitter accounts who have my same name, and that's you know that's its own story. Don't don't search it. Anyway, uh, you can also <laughs> find Chroma at Play Chroma on Twitter. So please, oh please fantastic, the game. yeah.
0: Um and uh Kai, did you uh did you find that there? I did.
3: Uh it is Kai, so at Kai underscore Carhu. I don't know. Does the underscore matter? Yes, it does. It, it, does. Has, it does. It does. All right, great. It doesn't in an email, so it does an email. Uh, <laughs> and if you're not sure it's me, uh the tagline is just happy to be here
2: love that
0: <laughs> so that's me that's fantastic <laughs> fantastic well kai francesca carol thank you again this has been loads of fun um and i'm super glad to have you on anytime any of y'all want to come back and chat again by all means you're welcome for sure uh especially if you want to talk about things like battleships. i
2: think
1: <laughs> anytime
0: <in>. so um <laughs> listeners if you want to get a hold of us you can always find us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. you can email us at building the game at gmail.com you can call us yes i'm giving out my phone number 770 tell btg that's my direct line uh it is not uh but you can also uh, find us of course on the twitter that's the best place at podcast btg i am at J. A. Slingerland. Uh, Oh, once again, on our website, you can find our Discord link. Join our Discord. Chat with us about board games. It's a lot of fun. We give lots of design help to each other, prototyping help, all sorts of good stuff. It's a great community. Speaking of communities helping each other out. Uh, And that is all for tonight. So until next time, good good night. Good night. Good night.
2: Good night. Building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends building the game building the game which isn't in friends which
0: isn't in friends dial 770 tell btg please don't use the email